0: This is the Six Figure Home Studio Podcast, episode 10. You're listening to the Six Figure Home Studio Podcast, the number one resource for running a profitable home recording studio. Now your hosts, Brian Hood and Chris Graham. Oh, hello, friends who are listening to this podcast. We're back for another episode. It's another week, it's another episode. And today's episode is gonna cover something that is a tough pill to swallow for some of you. Because it does the exact thing that most people hate and it's shifting the blame back to you And here's what I mean When a client does something that you hate when a client does something that you would think Ruined your day or ruined your life Or just really pissed you off in the moment in many many instances the blame can go back to you And that's because you failed to set boundaries you failed to put boundaries into place that would have prevented them from doing that thing that ruined your day or your life in the first place. Or you failed to put that boundary into place that forced them to respect your boundaries and respect you as a human being and what hopes, dreams, and desires you have in your life. Because again, I've talked about this tons and tons in the past, I've said it many, 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 many times, but you are not your business. You are separate from your business. So today's episode is all about putting those boundaries into place on your business, So that your business does not leak over into your personal life and ruin your personal life And those of you with families and those of you with spouses and those of you in long-term relationships This is especially important for you guys and girls Because things that happen in the business will always get carried over to your personal life If you let them and we're going to do every single thing we can today To give you the boundaries you need to set in your business to keep it from ruining your life so, without further delay, here was my conversation with Chris Graham. Chris, can you talk about or think of the most annoying client you've ever worked with? <laughs> oh, that's a good one.
1: Um, I had a client a couple years ago. Uh, this is before I was just. This, well, this is, I guess, more than a decade ago. Uh, that this is before I was just doing mastering. And he was just one of those clients where every single thing was a negotiation. It was constantly, can you do this one more thing? Can you cut me a deal? Can you lower your price? Can I pay you later? And uh, I, I ended up getting paid, but like a year and a half after when agreed on, and it was awful. And, oh man, I mean, it was just terrible. I mean, like he was friends with all my friends and- Kind of a big deal uh, in my community, and he was just a complete jerk. And uh, I, in the you know, I thought I was running my business well by giving great you know customer service and continually giving him what he asked for. But it was this: uh, if you give a mouse a cookie, he'll want a glass of milk. Thing. Every single hookup I would give this guy, he'd ask for one more hookup. And they were all. It was all about what I could do for him, and never any. Reciprocation of any level. It was it was wild.
0: Well, I think that really leads into today's episode and that is Setting some boundaries I think that both of us could agree that If you would have had this podcast episode that we're about to lay out here If you'd have had that before you worked with that man I could almost guarantee you if you followed what we're going to talk about today None of that would have happened or very very little of that would have happened Yep, and you would have had a much much easier time Moving forward with that project or better off not doing that project.
1: Oh my gosh. Yeah
0: So what are we going to talk about
1: today chris? Boundaries And why they are Maybe one of the most important most required things you need to have to run a successful business for the long haul You can run a good business For a while without boundaries maybe but you will get destroyed. It'll ruin your life If you don't have boundaries
0: and Specifically, we're going to give you seven boundaries that you can implement this year to keep your business from ruining your life. Oh, this episode is
1: so good. I wish I could have heard it 10 years ago when I needed it.
0: So Chris, let's just dive right into this. Uh, Number one is operating hours. Give me a little bit about this, operating hours.
1: Yeah. So I think one of the big things that a lot of us struggle with, I don't know why this is. Um, We've gotten a lot of emails to the podcast at sixfigurehomestudio.com about this. I know just from all the mix engineers I've worked with over the years, it's something they struggle with. Same with all the producers is that they have this overwhelming feeling of guilt when a client texts them at like 1am on a Friday night and they know they probably shouldn't respond, but that text is sitting there waiting for them to respond and they feel guilty for not texting the client back at 1am. Like that there's this overwhelming guilt for, Not getting back to your clients when they're trying to reach out to you at insane times
0: Yeah, it's this feeling that we have to always be on we're never not working and as a freelancer we have this danger of never giving ourselves time to do anything but work And that can really make our relationships outside of our business suffer greatly And not only that, just your general ability to not hate your life (laughs) is inhibited by the ability to not have specific operating hours. And so I think that specifically within operating hours, we mean a couple of different things. First of all, we mean specific work times, obviously. So Chris, uh, your work hours are when? Nine to five, Monday through Friday. Yeah, and my work hours are very similar. I usually work between eight and five, Monday through Friday, Uh, And rarely ever on the weekends unless i'm just on a really pressing project or a big big project that I have to get done in a certain amount of time Those are the only times I make exceptions, but almost always I stick to that specific work time boundary And that is because I want to separate and we've talked about this many many times in the podcast. I want to separate my Business from my personal life. There are two separate things. I am not my business And I think this is especially valuable
1: anyone with relationships in their life. Um, I'm, I've got a wife and three kids. Uh, Brian has a girlfriend. If you want to maintain those relationships, you have to have boundaries. And I don't mean this in a judgmental way to any of you that um, have gone through you know tough times relationally, but us audio engineers have, I would guess, one of the worst uh, divorce rates in any industry. I mean, it, it is... Notorious uh, for for people getting divorced uh, later on in life.
0: And just just to clarify, we have no statistics on that. This is just personal guessing.
1: Yeah, and you know, I have many many friends who are audio engineers who are divorced. I'm not judging them at all, but I think for whatever reason, you know, if I have an accountant or if I have my car insurance salesman, I'm not going to text them at 1 a.m. on a Friday and expect a response. In the audio engineer world, for some reason, that's completely
0: expected. That's not healthy. Yeah, put these boundaries into place. And this is us giving you permission to do this. It's really hard for people to say no sometimes. And we're going to talk about that later on. But it's really hard to set these boundaries in a way that keeps you from sabotaging your life.
1: Yeah. So I think that's the big thing is when we talk about what is a six-figure home studio. Well, first and foremost... It needs to last It needs to be a living it needs to be something that's viable in five or ten years still
0: Yeah, it took me I want to say six years to hit my first six-figure year maybe seven years And that was just netting or grossing six figures It took me two more years on top of that to hit my first net six-figure year And so that's eight years total before really becoming a six-figure home studio And so if you can't make it to eight years, you're not going to get there.
1: Well and bad news guys, uh that's wild that Brian was able to do that. That is so freaking rare uh, to have a six-figure income that fast. So it's doable. There are a lot of people that have done it, but there are so many people who have just absolutely blown it in the process. They've ruined their relationships. They've ruined their health. uh, They've ruined so many different parts of their life. And most of that comes down to, for whatever reason in our industry, We don't have boundaries. It's okay for a client to um, do coke in our bathroom (laughs) That's not okay, uh in any other industry and so like I saw this hilarious thing There's a local studio here in town Or in Judeo. They're amazing. Check them out columbus, ohio And they just got a little it's like a little piece of fabric and you sew a message into it crocheting or something like that anyways they got this really like farmhouse looking thing. And it says, please don't do Coke in our bathroom. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it, <laughs> it hangs in the bathroom. And like, you would not. Can you imagine if you went into like to buy a car and <laughs> you're like, you go to the bathroom in the car dealership and there's a sign that says, please don't do Coke in the bathroom.
0: It would be insane. But in the studio, that needs to be said. Yeah. But also to piggyback off that a little bit. You can't have the same sense of humor in a car dealership that you can have in a studio. And that's the fun fun part of having a studio because that's mostly in in good humor, I'm I'm sure. But back to the operating hours thing, um, we talked about the specific work times or specific work hours, that being a boundary that you set yourself so that you're not letting those emails or texts or Facebook messages that hit your inbox at 1 a.m. or when you're trying to watch a movie with your wife or girlfriend or kids, that way you're not letting that kind of stuff affect your life. You can turn your phone off, You can put your phone away or put it on do not disturb and you can Calmly ignore all of that until your actual work hours and that's why this boundary is so important Within that there's also specific times that we think you should be focusing on actually replying to emails and phone calls And i'm not sure what your specific take on this is chris But mine is I typically don't even look at emails until around 10 or 11 a.m. Right before I head off for lunch And then kind of one more time before I wrap up the day and I only check it two times. That's it
1: Yeah, I do it a little bit more than that But that's specifically because as a mastering engineer, you know, i'm working with Usually a couple clients a day Um, whether i'm either discussing their project or we're talking about their project or whatever So I get a lot of emails So for me like i'm checking them pretty regularly throughout the day But i'll be honest with you guys. This is not something I have mastered um, i've been doing pretty good lately in the past couple months But for me, I take the weekend off Saturday and sunday is family time for me. I'm with my kids. I'm with my wife But do you know what I want to do more than anything else on saturday morning? I want to check email. Ooh, isn't that dumb? It's it's so dumb. Come on chris. It's so dumb It It is really difficult For me to not check email on saturday morning And that just kind of keeps me aware That like that's that it's a struggle for me that this is something that I need to work on. And what the heck is that? That's weird. And what I find is if, I, if I'm if i not good about taking the weekend off, then I have a, a crappy week the next week.
0: It almost kind of goes back to our episode where we talk about habits and routines. Yeah. The, the, the work hours is kind of more of a routine and habit type thing, but it is still a boundary because you have to hold yourself to that and you have to be willing to ignore certain things outside of those work hours that you set for yourself If you want to be able to have a healthy life outside of your studio Yeah, I think it's
1: really important that people know that you uh, Are available certain times and you're unavailable certain times um, You're nervous. that You're gonna frustrate your clients. Or you're gonna lose a project But it is worth it and and let me tell you why so, um, we're moving into our second item here which is learning to say no I am a huge Tim Ferriss fan, Tim Ferriss with the four hour work week. And for me and my personal story, if you guys have heard that uh, on episode two, I believe it was, Tim Ferriss's four hour work week blew my mind. It absolutely changed my life. It was a total come to Jesus type moment where I actually started learning how to run my business. And he had a podcast that came out pretty recently in the past couple, you know, month, uh, I think it was late November, And it was about how to say no and get this. So he just released a new book and he emailed all these people trying to interview them for this book. And many people said yes, but some of them said no. And what he did on this latest uh, podcast episode and in one of the chapters in his book is he took the rejection emails and he made that into a chapter. Here are some great examples of people who uh, have said no and how they said no,
0: and I, we probably should link to the episode if you just go to the six figurehomestudio.com slash uh, 10 you'll be able to see the show notes for this It'll have all the links that we mentioned in this episode So it was unbelievable. So
1: Tim was able to reach out to these people get totally rejected And then take that defeat And turn it into a victory by creating one of the best podcast episodes i've ever listened to About how to say no and the big thing that he said i'm, I'm going to spoil some of this for you Is that when you say no to someone you should do it in a way leads them to respect you more. So this gets back into the operating hours. If you have a client who Facebook messages you at all hours of the, the night, or who will email you 15 times in a row before they, you, they get a response from you, when you tell them, hey, um, thanks for reaching out. Um, I'm with my family right now, or I'm sleeping, shocker, or something like that, and say, I, I really... You are really important to me, and doing your project well is really important to me. But to do that, I want to make sure that we have all of our communication about your record in one spot or about your project in one spot. So I want to uh, ask you to email me instead. That's just an example of something that you could do. If you communicate in a way that leads that person to respect you more, to, to pitch, this is a win for you. If you can use restraint and instead of Facebook messaging me or texting me in the middle of the night, And email me instead that i'm going to do a better job on your project I think you're gonna have an easy time with that and here's the thing When someone can text you at all hours of the day Or all hours of the night and you don't have boundaries that leads to them respecting you less If they know that you will jump when they
0: tell you to jump they'll respect you less It goes back to the guy in the beginning of the episode. He talked about you gave him a cookie and he wanted a whatever. Give them an inch, give me once a mile.
1: Exactly. So if you want to build a great business, you need to have clients that respect you. And for them to respect you, you have to have boundaries. I think if you guys can think about people in your lives that don't have boundaries, you probably don't respect them very much. So this is this was really, really hard stuff for me to learn. And it's something that I still struggle with a lot. Um, some people call this fear of man this idea that you are afraid of what other people will think of you. And it's the root, I think, of not having boundaries.
0: Okay, so we talked about operating hours. Um, let's talk about the learning to say no thing now. He mentioned that the Tim Ferriss podcast episode, that'll be linked in the show notes. It's a good episode. Um, it's one I definitely could have used years and years ago because I was bad at saying no. I was bad at turning down jobs. What would happen is if it was somebody I didn't want to work with, I would just not reply to the email. That was how I handled it for years, which is the worst, the worst way to do it. So having a very good tactful way of saying no to projects specifically or to to certain things you just know you don't need to be doing in your business, having a very good tactful way to doing that uh, is, is super important. And we'll talk about that in a second. But I first want to talk about something I mentioned way back. I think it was my episode, episode number three, where we kind of talked through my story. Um, in my episode, I had that when I first moved to Nashville, I had a yes to everything type approach where every single time someone offered To do something or wanted me to go do something or a project came along or anything came along I said yes to everything because I wanted to meet people. I wanted to broaden my horizons I wanted to expand my social network in nashville. I wanted to get as many projects as I could I said yes to everything But there is a time when you have to move away from the yes to everything and everyone approach so Do you have any input on when you think that time is for people?
1: well, you know, I think One of the things that you talk about in the blog that's so awesome is this concept of niching down. I think that's amazing. And part of niching down is eventually saying no to projects. I know for me, you know, I used to produce and record and mix and write and also master on the side. This is like 11 years ago. And it wasn't until I decided to start turning down certain types of projects to focus on mastering. Essentially, I said, I I won't do anything that's not mastering I'll say no to everything that I began to get any good at it. I thought I was great at it back then. I, you know, looking back, I really wasn't, at least not compared to now. So I think that there should be a chapter, especially for you younger people, where you just say yes to everything, where you look for your calling, where you look for that thing you want to niche down to, but your goal should be eventually to niche down and to say no to everything that isn't the thing that you were made to do.
0: Which is going to be one of the hardest things you'll ever do in business and life but it's a definitely necessary step because I do not know many people who are successful at many 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 things They're successful at 30 things but there I know people that are extraordinarily successful because they're great at one or two things Yeah, Uh, and that's a different conversation the niching down thing But I just wanted to touch on when it's it's time to move away from that. Yes to everything approach and that moves us into the learning to say no because Not only saying no to opportunities that you think are opportunities, but they're really just distractions in disguise, but learning to say no when people come trying to call you at 1 a.m. Or trying to text you or trying to get you to do that fifth revision after you said no, there's only three revisions included. Um, These types of things are where you need to have the skill of saying no and the ability to say no and also the balls to say no sometimes because it does take balls to say no sometimes, but in a tactful way that leaves them respecting you, not hating you. Uh, they may not like it, but they'll definitely respect it. And as long as you word it correctly, uh, what, what are some of the things you would think go into a good no response?
1: Well, I think a good no is first and foremost, uh, a thank you. Oh, thank you so much for thinking of me. I'm really flattered you know, that you respect me enough as an audio engineer to consider me. I think that you should begin with a thank you. I think another thing is that there are all these ways to say no uh, rather than just saying no. You could say no by
0: saying, oh yeah, absolutely, I can do your
1: project for 10 times my normal rate. Yeah,
0: and I have, I have done that in the past. That is not the best way to approach it in my opinion only because um, if anyone comes to that band or that artist asking about you, They're going to get some highly inflated rate that scares them away before they've ever even talked to you That's the one negative of that So that is something i've done in the past and probably wasn't the best move I think if you're going to say no Uh, say no I think that's the best way to do it in my opinion and make it not a we'll see in six months thing It's if you want to say no to something say no and derek sivers does a really good job of talking about this Where if it's not a hell yes, then it's a hell. No Is that what it is something like that?
1: Yeah p.s. If anyone knows derek sivers, he would He's he would be my like fantasy interview for the podcast. I freaking love that guy. Derek Sivers founded cd baby And uh, then sold it for a cool 22 million to disc makers
0: Yeah, we've 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 mentioned him on the podcast before so he's he's definitely uh interesting 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 guy, but yeah, that's his one of his big things I think it was a blog article or something if it's not a hell. Yes, and it's a hell. No That's kind of my approach on on projects now and when it comes to saying no, there's a very tactful way to do it. And I one of the things I like more than anything is to have a templated response. Yeah. <laughs> that is one easy way to have the no in the pocket. But let's move on to the next uh, section here. So we've got operating hours. That's one really good boundary, which has specific email times, specific phone times, and specific work hours. We've talked about learning to say no uh, to projects and when to get out of that yes, men, yes to everything kind of mentality that everyone's going to be on in their early stage career. And now we're on to centralizing communications for projects. Why is this a boundary, Chris? Well, this is the
1: thing, is that when you are running a business that's a service-based business, uh, mixing is a service-based business, mastering is a service-based business, uh, running a recording studio is a service-based business. You have to do it well. You have to respond to people in a timely manner. Um, You have to know what people have said in the past, and you have to not have this thing. It's a common frustration with bands. They'll be like, oh, we told you this a week ago. Like, I don't remember that at all. I'm so sorry. That, bands hate that. Artists hate that. Everybody hates that. So if you are trying to keep track of a project with text messaging, Facebook messaging, Twitter direct messaging, Instagram direct messaging, email, phone, and not only that, but tender. you're allowing, <laughs> maybe Tinder, I don't know. But if you are also allowing your customers to, uh, like some of uh, the more challenging projects I've worked on over the years will be a client who chooses to email me from five different email addresses. So I'll get a different email. And be like, "Who who is this? Oh, this is that guy for that project we've been working on. Oh, well, I hope it's not somebody imitating him. So one of the things that we do that's been really successful for us is when someone books a project with me, they do it through an email address. They have a login on the website that's an email address. And at that point, I'll only email back and forth with them over that email address. And if they email in a different email address, I have a saved email template that says, hey, I'm so sorry. I noticed that this email address is different than the when the project was booked through True Story. Um, we've had issues in the past where a band would break up in the middle of a project and it created some weird tensions. So to keep everything simple and to make sure I'm protecting your privacy... Let's keep all emails to your original email that you booked the project through. Please just email me on that email and we can continue the conversation over there. And I know this sounds so anal retentive. And you know, for those of you that are afraid of offending somebody, this is like one of the best things I've ever done in my business to make sure that I can look at, a, at an email thread and have the whole thing right there in front of me and can say, oh yeah, they said this on uh, January 2nd. And they said this on January 3rd and they said this on January 4th. It's so much easier to provide top-notch customer service when you have all their communication in one place. That way you're never looking for, what was the edit that
0: they asked for on this last project? Was that on my, did they text me on that or did they WhatsApp me on that? Or even worse, whenever there's a discrepancy on price and you can't find the original communication that had a price written out on it.
1: Yeah, in my opinion, email is the absolute best communication method for this type of business. So, and for most really. So I would say, commit to only communicating through one email account so that you have a whole thread so that you have all your information right there. And it just makes it so much easier because here's the thing. The reason you're listening to this podcast, I would guess is that you want to do audio for a living. You want to make music for a living. If you don't centralize all your communications, if you become successful, most of what you will do for a living is secretary work. (laughs) You're going to be trying to organize messages. You're going to be trying to figure out What so-and-so said at such-and-such time and instead of being creative and doing
0: art for a living you are going to be doing administrative work Nobody wants to do that and if you really want to get a handle on Really getting the communications things down and getting away from the administrative stuff Go back to episode seven where we talk about implementing a crm into your business It's a piece of software called customer relationship management software that is where we really dive in deep to the actual implementation of something that can really help with the communications of all the projects but at the very least if you just move it all into email address away from facebook away from text away from phone calls and just put it into emails so that's going to make your life so much easier and it's going to be so much easier to make sure all of the project goes smoothly from start to finish
1: yeah and what i typically recommend people do cuz i get this question a lot that essentially my clients are driving me nuts I'm getting communication from all the different band members and all the different communication ways. And, you know, they'll ask for a revision and then I, I, I don't know what they said. And it, it becomes a hassle. It essentially just comes down to doing this well of making the commitment that when you get an email from a different email account or a Facebook message or whatever, that you have a go-to saved stock response that you copy and paste at a minimum to say, Hey, thank you so much for reaching out. In the interest of me doing the best possible work for you Would you please email me about this and i'll get back to you asap That is huge And if you want to grow your business, there's a ceiling Whatever your business is right now and whatever the way that you are running your business right now There's a ceiling and that ceiling is a limitation of how big your business can get before you go insane in order to make that, that ceiling higher, you need to have systems that let you do what you want to do for a living. And one of those big systems is centralizing communication. So I think for a lot of people, I'm, I could see us getting a lot of pushback, at least in your own minds from a lot of people. This is huge. There's no way my business would be successful without doing this.
0: All right, and that moves us into the next section uh, in our outline, which is number four, and that is written agreements. And we kind of touched on this a little bit before where we were talking about going back and trying to find a price for a project that was maybe a disagreement. And they're saying, hey, well, you said we'd be this much. Well, yeah, let me jump in there. So
1: one of the big things that can really kill a studio business is project creep. Project creep is when you set out to record a five song EP for somebody. And the next thing you know, it's a 15 song long format project. And oops, you initially agreed on a set price not a per hour price. Um, When you don't have a written agreement, project creep happens and stuff can get hairy. And then you have to have an awkward conversation where it's like, hey, uh, remember when we initially talked about your project and we said this and this and this and this and this? this? Uh, No, I don't remember that at all. Uh, I'm just here to make music, dude. (laughs) Like when you don't have a written agreement, there's so much room for a project to go south. So this is primarily for people that are producing songs for a living or are mixing songs for a living. I think a written agreement is almost essential. Like I can't imagine running a good business without a written agreement. And I think what most people do that they should avoid is they say, well, I'm not a lawyer. I don't, I don't know what a written agreement is supposed to look like. It doesn't need to be some crazy legalese thing. It doesn't need to be this thing where if you violate this, I will sue you and my contract will hold up in court. That's not the point if you need to sue a client your business is probably going to go belly up Anyways, because word's going to get around town that you're a jerk and you took them to court
0: So you want to avoid suing people not only that it's just really expensive and time-consuming and annoying to try to sue somebody It's it's not it's not what you see on tv. Yeah, so
1: a written agreement is it doesn't need to be legal It just needs to be a gentleman's agreement of like here's what we talked about I like to say it should be a page long and it should have bullet points on it. So it should be hey, uh, we've agreed to do a record that's 10 songs. We have up to 10 days to record it. If we need additional days, my day rate is this. You've agreed to um, have all the writing done beforehand or uh, you've agreed to hire these session musicians, whatever. Just write the agreement down. It should have as few words as possible.
0: Yeah, just plain English, no legalese.
1: Yeah, just plain English. It doesn't need to be fancy. And I think when you do that, that gets really good because when you have a situation where it's awkward with a client, where you can say, hey, you know, you know I was reading through our agreement last night, thinking about the conversation we had at the end of the last session. And boy, you know, I, I think some of the problems we're having is we originally only agreed on five songs and now we're doing 15. And when we do 15, the quality goes way down. I'm, I'm having to take the quality that I was going to put into five songs and split that between 15 and surprise, surprise. Um, Only having one vocal take for every song is creating some problems Um, I just think it's really really good to get in the habit of never ever ever having a project a long-term project with somebody without a written agreement
0: And I think if you kind of go back and if you were to kind of dissect some of the issues that creep up Sometimes in your business, especially some of the big issues, if you look back into some of the more annoying things that have happened during the projects you've worked on, try to go to the root of those problems. And I promise you, if you think back far enough, you'll probably find some sort of issue that could have been resolved by one of the boundaries we've listed so far, if not this one boundary right here, which is putting a written agreement into place. That boundary alone is saying, you're, and, and the reason it's a boundary is because you're saying, here's everything we've talked about. This is actually a written boundary. It is something we're putting into place that is this wall that says, if we cross this, it's going to be an additional charge. If we go above and beyond what we've agreed to here, there's going to be an additional charge. And if you want it to be the price that I've given you, this is what it's going to be. And that allows you to later on down the road when you've long forgotten what you originally talked about on the phone or in an email and the project's way past where it should be, You have something that you can go back to and say on paper written down signed by the person that you're with This is what we originally agreed to this is no longer that we're gonna have i'm gonna have to charge you more for this And here's why and it's not gonna be it's still gonna be a hard conversation But it's gonna be a lot easier now that you have this written agreement out to refer back to instead of just a On your word type thing.
1: Yeah One of the things I found when I was running the production business a decade ago Was that I would do a written agreement for every project and I would learn on every project Something will go awry on every project and you have the opportunity to learn, oh, maybe next time, just to make sure things don't get crazy, I'm going to put in the written agreement how many tracks each song is going to have approximately. So, boy, I I just recorded this project and it went really good until we got to song number three and the guy wanted 5,700 tracks (laughs) on the one song and I didn't put that in the agreement And oh my gosh, like I had to go buy a new computer because I couldn't handle that many tracks. So you're going to learn as you do written agreements, you're going to learn that, oh, I should probably put that in next time or, oh, I should probably remove this or whatever. So make a commitment in 2018 to have written agreements with your clients um, and that you're going to learn from it. It's it's about learning how you want to run your business. And if it turns out that every client you hand that written agreement to gets frustrated by one of the things you've written there, remove it. Yeah, take it away. Yeah, find a better way to say it. So make a commitment to learn how to write great written agreements.
0: All right, and that moves us to number five on our list, and that is having an auto-responder. This is a clever little thing that I've never really actually played with, but I noticed that Chris had one when I sent him an email, and I got a responder that said, hey, I'm out with family for Christmas. I'll be back at this specific day. Have a good Christmas. You know, like... Super simple stuff, but it's one of those things that you don't even have to be the person that says no You now have this autoresponder in place That's separating your life from your business allowing you to be fully present with your friends or family or girlfriend or all of the above This is something I just haven't thought of before what what made you start doing this and when how long have you been doing autoresponders for This sort of thing
1: i've been doing autoresponders for probably about eight years or so um, and again, this is tim ferris in four-hour work. Week taught me about autoresponders and The big thing that I do with the autoresponder is there's a list of items in uh, the autoresponder that hopefully addresses some of the questions they have. How do I book a project? Almost like an FAQ. Yeah, it's essentially a mini FAQ of how do I upload a project? How do I book a project? Um, What is your turnaround time? All those normal questions, you know, the top 10 most common questions, you should answer those in an autoresponder. And if you've got a Gmail account, you've got an autoresponder. There's a, a vacation autoresponder built into Gmail. You check the box and you, you know you write a really simple but clearly like you know auto response. Here's the answers to some of my most common questions, yada yada, yada. That way when someone emails you, there's a decent chance that their question's gonna be answered and you've set an expectation that I'll get back to you by such and such time. My hours are nine to five, Monday through Friday. That's like the first thing that my normal autoresponder says. So if somebody emails me at 8 p.m., especially if they're on the other side of globe, I I do a lot of international mastering projects. So if they're in, say, New Zealand and they email me, they're going to get an auto response back that says, my hours are 9 to 5, Monday through Friday, Eastern Standard Time. So that's an expectation that that they at least are going to know, oh, well, I should expect to wait a little while because it's 5 p.m. here, which means it's like, I don't even know what time that would be, (laughs) Eastern Standard Time. You know, when you're doing projects across the globe or even down the street, setting that expectation is what a grown-up would do. And that's sort of my goal as a business owner is just trying to decide what would a real grown-up do and then try to do that. And an autoresponder that communicates expectations is one of those things.
0: And a lot of these things that we're talking about, when it comes to setting boundaries in your business, it's all about setting expectations. Um, The autoresponder itself, we probably could have put that under operating hours, which is the first thing we talked about. But still, an autoresponder, whether or not you have specific operating hours, I would like you to have them if you don't have them. Um, So I'm talking to anyone that doesn't have operating hours right now. But if you don't have operating hours, you can still implement an autoresponder to set that boundary for when you're away. That way, if you're on vacation, you can truly be on vacation and be focused on being present in the moment with what you're trying to do in your life that is not business. Because again, your business is not you. You are separate from your business. And I really wanna push that point across to a lot of people throughout the year that you have an identity outside of your business. Your business is not your life. And I, I do love business. I do love talking about it. I do love helping people with that stuff. But at the end of the day, my business is not my life. My business is not my identity and I do not want that to be the precedent I set for anyone around me or any of my family that I have in the future And I want that to be for anyone that listens to this. I don't want that to be your attitude towards your business and Going back to the simple autoresponder That's a great way to set some sort of boundary that allows you to separate yourself from your business when it's time to do so
1: I just totally agree with that. I couldn't agree more that that separation is Probably the number one secret to longevity in any business is that you're, you're healthy, that it's sustainable. And so here's just kind of an extra free nugget of wisdom with the autoresponder. If your studio or your business email is something like djjoofficial@gmail.com, at gmail.com, you're going to have a hard time having boundaries with your clients. Get a website, djjo.com, and it should be joe at djjoe.com. That looks official. It's a lot easier to communicate to people. This is real. This is my business. I have boundaries. Um, so that's sort of part of this autoresponder. You should have a professional-looking email address that wasn't free from Gmail. Spend the, what, three bucks a month that you need to to do that. That's, a, that's sort of a bare minimum. One of the things on my autoresponder that I do that I think is great is there's a link at the very bottom of my autoresponded message that if this is a true emergency, click here to fill out my emergency contact form, it takes them to a page on my website and it basically walks them through hey, if I messed up and you need to get a hold of me immediately, like I, you know, there's an error in a song that I mastered and you need to go to replication, um, please fill this out. If this isn't an emergency and you are interested in having me do something for you, just know if you're reaching out to me and it's Sunday morning or whatever, it's gonna cost a lot more. So if you're willing to pay a substantial, um, substantially more than my normal rate, yes, please fill this out. Let me know and I'll I'll get back to you as soon as possible. But having a link of, hey, if this is an emergency, here's how to get a hold of me. But also letting people know, like, if you use the emergency contact form or what I used to have was an emergency email address, 911 at com, which is now defunct. I used to say, hey, email me at 911 at com if this is a true emergency. And so you can have, that's a built-in automatic boundary of like, here's my normal email address. Here's my emergency email address. And something like that can be really useful where people can still get a hold of you, but there's a boundary built in.
0: All right, now let's move on to number six on our outline. And that is... Personal boundaries and this was one that I almost didn't add to this list But we kind of talked about it and I think it is an important part about not ruining your life and that is having personal boundaries Within your business and and so we're talking about actually talk about this chris. What do you mean by personal boundaries? Yeah, well,
1: this is sort of inspired. We've had a lot of emails from parents Uh about the podcast i trying to run a home studio, but i've got kids Do you guys have any tips for that? Uh, yeah Yeah I got three kids. I freaking love them. They're amazing. They are two, uh, five, and seven. Honora, Jeremiah, and Joshua. And it's a, it, there's a balancing act there. Um, my first and foremost, my absolute number one mission is to be a good husband and a good father. It's having a good family. If I can't do that, man, what's the point? That's what I get the most life out of. That's where I think I'm doing the most good in this world. So for me to do that, well, I have to have personal boundaries with my business, which means, Hey, if dad's working, this is just an example. If dad's downstairs in the studio, don't go see him. That's the same for my wife. If you need to get a hold of him, text him. And if he gets back and says, yeah, come on down and see me, that's fine. But don't just show up. If I'm on the phone with a client or I'm in the middle of a session, that's really, really, really difficult to maintain any sort of consistency or good morale. So with my family, I have boundaries because I love them. And because at the end of the day, I want to shut the computer down. I want to turn the lights off. I want to go up and I want to be a hundred percent present with them and that they know that I'm all theirs right then. To do that, I need to be all in and work because I've got the ADD real bad, man. I'm easily distractible and my day can be ruined Uh, If I'm distracted through work and then i'm going to have a hard time being present as a father as a husband at night So these personal boundaries whether it's with your friends, whether it's with your family, whether it's with your roommates, they're really really important Because if your business ruins your personal life Your business wasn't worth it If your personal life ruins your business There's a good chance that your business might then end up ruining your personal life and so there's this balancing act here where you want to do both of these things well, right? You're not, nobody wants to die someday and have their gravestone say, a really, really good audio engineer who knew all the hotkey combinations for Pro Tools.
0: That's going to mine for sure.
1: <laughs> nobody wants that. I do. We want these other things, these uh, loving father, loving husband, whatever it is, lo- loving wife. We want to look back and know that we did well in our personal life. And these boundaries are awesome. I know for a lot of the audio engineers I know are men. um, And for the ones that are married, I know that their spouses really would agree with me on this big time. So this sort of personal boundaries of figuring out how to run your business well and do everything else in your life well, friends, family, yada, yada, yada. That might mean a personal boundary might mean, hey, don't stay up till four in the morning on Sunday night. Hanging out with your college buddies if you have to work on a project on monday. That's a personal boundary
0: And this kind of goes back to the conversation we had on the business of running your home studio business series We did on episode five and six Where we talked about I think it was maybe just episode five specifically. specifically—where We talked about multitasking You cannot be successful and be a multitasker that is a lie that the world tries to tell you and Putting these personal boundaries into place. It allows you to pull away from that temptation, especially for you that work at home and you have kids and and family or even roommates at home, that temptation of people coming in to talk to you all throughout the day and you trying to multitask and work, that's not going to work. That is not ever going to work. And having personal boundaries in place allows you to focus on business when it is your business hours. And then you can 1000% focus on family and friends when it is personal hours. And that is why this is in our outline today because it's extraordinarily important to get Uh, That kind of stuff implemented into your life for 2018.
1: Yeah, and this is tough stuff I know that some of you are probably frustrated listening to this episode um, At least in some ways and the big thing the tough love here Is that if what you really want in this world is to be respected As an audio engineer You will eventually not be respected as an audio engineer because you're going to blow up your life You're going to not have boundaries. You're going to You're going to have problems
0: and what's the point man? Audio is fun. You may have success in audio engineering, but it's always going to be like that. Oh, he's a credible audio engineer. He's a great producer, but he's a train wreck. You know, that that sort of caveat, like he's great at this, but his life is a train wreck is... I'm not going to start speculating on things that could happen to you, but I just know that I do not want that in my life. I don't want the, he's great at what he does, but... All right. So let's move on to the final point in our outline today. That's number seven The seventh boundary you need in place in 2018 in order for your career to not ruin your life Blacklist blacklist Blacklist. putting a blacklist in a place. What do we mean by a blacklist? Chris a blacklist is a
1: list that is black That has people's names on it that you don't work with or for
0: it doesn't have to be a black list color wise it can be a white list with black text as well. If that's if you want to use a Google Doc for this. It's literally just that. It's, it's a list of people that you're not going to work with again. And that is because if you look at the 80-20 principle, you're going to have roughly 20% of the clients you have are going to give you 80% of your anguish in life, 80% of your pain and frustration in life, and 80% of your headaches in life. And if you can eliminate or reduce that 20%, Um, You're going to have a much 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 better life. So this goes for both clients So paid artists bands, whatever and partners. So any audio engineers or songwriters or Studios you rent out anyone that you think is either an asshole is unreasonable Who's unethical who's just hard to work with and makes your life a living hell these are the people that you can add to your private secret blacklist that no one ever has to see. And that is just the list of people that you are not going to work with again, if you can help it.
1: Yeah, this is huge. And again, this immediately comes back to Tim Ferriss' 4-Hour Work Week. I will never forget reading chapter five, which is the 80-20 principle in 4-Hour Work Workweek um, because I skipped right to it. I didn't have any free time when I read 4-Hour Week, So I just skipped right to the most interesting chapter.
0: Which by the way, that means it's a really good sign that you need that book if you don't have time to read that book.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so he talked about you know exactly what you just said, Brian, in that book that, hey, in your life, 20% of the people cause, uh, that you have relationships with are causing 80% of your misery. And another 20% of the people in your life are causing 80% of your joy and happiness. And that is so huge. Um, and it's the same, you, you mentioned it too, with revenue. Probably in most businesses, 20% of your clients are 80% of your revenue. This is a really revolutionary concept and it completely changed my life when I learned about it. So the big thing that you need to recognize, and this goes back to this sort of personal boundaries thing, is the goal here is to have a life that you like, right? It's, It's to not be miserable. Why would you want to be an audio engineer and miserable? So you need to recognize that there are certain... People in your life. I'm sure every single person listening, and myself included, can think of at least one person where they make you miserable. They drive you bonkers. They're not trustworthy or they're caustic, they're corrosive, they're poisonous in your life. Having good boundaries means making the commitment to say, you know what, this person, and that there's a guy, I'm I'm not going to say his name, who uh, about eight, nine years ago, was causing 80% of my misery. And uh, it was driving me nuts. I was losing sleep over this guy. He was super dishonest. Uh, We were working together. And, you know, I read about this in 4-Hour Workweek that, wow, he's, he's in the bad 20%. I need to fire this guy. I actually worked for him, but I needed to fire him in my life
0: to like have some semblance of sanity. And it was one of the best things I ever did. And just a side note, you can fire your customers just so you know. Yeah, you do not have to Work with someone Again or in the middle of a project if you're going to fire somebody there is a obligation that you refund their money <laughs> But you do not have to finish a project if it's just an absolute chore on your psyche
1: Yeah, so I think this is a this is a, probably the most difficult of the topics we're talking about tonight. Um, the big thing here Is you should have a blacklist. I mean there are some people that are just so nice and get along with everybody um magically that might not need a blacklist. But I think for most of us, we need to recognize that after a certain point, if someone is just really, really making you miserable, don't be a glutton for pain. Fire them and move on with your life. And the big thing you need to recognize here is that it makes no sense to spend 80% of your time working for a client that causes 20% of your revenue and 80% of your misery. Fire them and try to spend your time working on finding clients that are going to provide 80% of your revenue. That, that's huge. And that are going to be fun to work with. That's essentially what we're all trying to do is to find some way to take that 20% of clients that we love working with and to clone them, to find more of them. In order to have the time to do that, you know, people say time is a limited resource. You know, it's, there's never enough hours in the day. Well, newsflash, there can be if you free them up. And one of the ways that you can free them up is by firing people that are a waste of your time. And you don't have to be a jerk about it. You don't have to call them up and be like, "Look, man, you're a jerk, you're fired, I'm never going to work with you again." Don't do that. Be nice about it. Be cool about it. Don't burn a bridge. But this is this is really important and a really difficult uh skill that man, it took me a long time to master and I probably I definitely master is a strong word. I, this is something I'm still working on in my own life.
0: Yeah. It's easy to it's easy to add people to the blacklist. It's hard to say no Once they've contacted you again to work with you and that's where I need to work on is I think I think number seven blacklist That's actually one of the easiest ones to do because everyone can create one I think number two learning to say no That is the hardest of the ones to actually implement is learning to say no when you Need the money, especially that's the big thing. So let's actually recap all seven now um, number one was implementing operating hours specific operating hours for your business for chris and I it's uh, 8 or 9 a.m. Depending on who you are to 5 p.m. We both end at 5 p.m. Monday through friday We try not to work on the weekends chris is better at that than I am The number two was learning to say no So getting away from that yes mentality of saying yes to everything and learning to say no Especially when it's that 20 percent of clients that brings 80 percent of your misery and then number three was Centralizing your communications for all projects and that means moving it into email or if better yet a crm customer relationship management software Go back to episode seven of the podcast for more information on that And then number four a written agreement implementing a written agreement into all the projects you work on so there is a documented record of what is supposed to be included and what is not supposed to be included in that project. So that project creep doesn't happen, especially for those of you who have um, per song pricing on projects. Uh, Back when I was still recording, I had per day. So it didn't matter if the project creep because I was just getting paid by day. But if I were getting paid per song, tracking and editing and producing, you know, if someone tries to add more songs, that's that's a completely different conversation. That's where you have to be compensated for that. So that's number four is written agreement. Number five is... Autoresponder and that is putting that badger into place so you can be present with whatever you're doing around holidays or on vacation or Nights and weekends when you're not working having that autoresponder in place. That is not only a uh, notification that you're not working right now and they're not going to get a reply But it also gives them an faq a short uh faq that says, you know Here are my frequently asked questions and explaining certain things that they may be looking for answers for um Again, I really like this because it gives people it sets their expectations They know they're not going to get a reply until nine to five monday through friday And you know that way they're not constantly checking their email looking for a reply from you And then number six for our review is setting personal boundaries. That is uh setting boundaries for friends for family for roommates for children if you have uh children um saying hey, these are my work hours I have these hard set boundaries where you do not come and bother me during my work hours so I'm not distracted and that allows me to be fully present during my personal hours with you so I'm not distracted trying to finish up projects that should have gotten done today because I was so distracted by you. There's a way friendlier way of saying that than what I just said there because I was very cold and calloused in my in my delivery, there, but be much more friendly with your friends and family and roommates for that conversation. And then finally, number seven is implementing a blacklist into your studio. This is the 20% of clients that brings you 80% of anguish. These are clients, these are partners, you know, audio engineers you may work with or studios you might work with that are, these are people that are assholes who are unreasonable or unethical. So those are our seven. Um, if any of you think of any more, you're welcome to email us podcast at the com. That's S I X. And you're also welcome to send us feedback to that email. So that is it for episode 10 of the Six Figure Home Studio Podcast. I hope you kind of see by now what I meant earlier when I was talking about it kind of being your own fault sometimes. When something goes wrong that shouldn't go wrong, stop and think, what can I do to have prevented that from ever happening again? And when it comes to personal relationships and business relationships, a lot of times that thing that needs to happen is a boundary that needs to be put into place. So anytime you feel like your business is getting in the way of your personal life or you have a nightmare client Who's just ruining things for you or you just are stuck in this rut where you can't figure out how to Get away from these toxic relationships in your life. Come back to this episode Listen to the seven boundaries We just gave you figure out where you can apply that in your life and who specifically You need to put boundaries into place with and also when you're communicating with your clients along their journey Where exactly do you need to set those boundaries because a lot of times the earlier you set that boundary and the earlier You set that precedent for the remainder of that relationship The better off you're going to be with every single client and every single person that you come in contact with So the longer you wait to do this in a relationship with a client or someone in your life The harder it's going to be for them to take these boundaries seriously So if you want to be respected if you want to make the most of the seven boundaries We gave you start implementing them as early as possible with all your clients and stick to them